This is the After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. Hello, Kimmy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Kimmy? I'm good. I'm really good. It's raining outside. I can hear the rain and the wind. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 sprinkling here. Sprinkle, sprinkle. Did you see I had my um, my KGO umbrella earlier on the Mark Thompson show? The more you listen, the drier you are. The more you listen, the more you know. I thought it was supposed to be against the law of superstitions to open an umbrella in the household. I think it was until Spencer Christian did it. Until Spencer, and then he did it, and I was like, "Well, all right, if Spencer can do it, then I can do it." So here's my KGO news talk. AM 810 umbrella from years ago, and it's huge. It's enormous. Ginormous. Just don't walk down the middle of the sidewalk. Pick a side. Pick a side, people. Pick a side. It's a big, big, big umbrella. It's like, what are you trying to pick up a cable TV? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's kind of funny and kind of sad. Um, we are excited yesterday. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of uh, the Mark Thompson show. Congratulations, passing 20,000. Yeah. Um, not only passing 20,000, but gaining more viewers in a day than we have total. Um, <laughs> uh, it's all right. We're still fledgling. Remember. If that wasn't sad enough for us, yesterday I was so excited that we had uh, 1,812. Yeah. You know, we shot up to, well, it all went away. It was all what? fake. We're back down to 1,774. Right where we were. There was a phantom 38 subscribers. Um, the statistics that come out of YouTube, they're just not very reliable. Oh. And they're kind of on a delay. Um, so uh, I wouldn't hire them as your accountants. No. Um, That's a but bummer. Anyway, we're still growing. I was all excited. We Nothing. think we can. We think we can. <laughs> we can. <laughs> um. Oh, but we want to thank one of our supporters. Joe Fong, thank you. Before the show even started, Joe Fong. That's because so of nice. people like you. Joe, Joe, still Joe. Here. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Did you see the story that just popped up? It's uh, the judge. There's a judge in Florida that has is now tossing out Disney's lawsuit against Ron DeSantis, uh, saying that it was political retaliation, that that's the only reason Disney sued DeSantis. So the uh, lawsuit accused him and other of officials in Florida of unconstitutionally retaliating against the company for political reasons. And so a district judge says... Disney lacks a legal standing to sue DeSantis, and the free speech claims they made failed on the merits, and it's out. Gone. Adios, Sayonara. Normally, I'd say, you know, we don't talk about politics, but maybe we should. Maybe that's how we get people to click on our things. We well, click and like. I uh, Deidre asking John, how, was, uh, how successful is our ad campaign with the flyers around town? We got like 100 people. Was yeah. it worth, you know, five All days of time and effort? Of going around the entire sitting, putting up like 500 posters. Uh, the, rec- the return on investment wasn't that high. Maybe next time we'll do a digital yeah. campaign. Um, YouTube abs. App, you put your abs. life in, in on the line, walking the streets of the city. Speaking it's of which. Of, it's a lot of tape. Did you see the, um, that Kaiser in Oakland, pardon me, is telling its employees not to have, not to go out for lunch? because of the crime in Oakland. And I just saw this story. Yeah. Clorox is also based in Oakland, and they have hired additional uniformed security guards to protect employees at their Oakland headquarters. So oh. companies are having to step up and protect workers. They've got the security guards safely escorting employees to and from BART, 
parking garages, local restaurants, and coffee shops, according to Clorox. I was just thinking the Clorox headquarters must be really clean. (laughs) Like, there's no excuse, right? Yeah, it's very sanitary. Uh -uh. Yeah, maybe they can help out the neighborhood, too. Um, But anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, please click on the, uh, the like button and please share the show on Facebook and we can get those phantom uh, viewers back hopefully. Yeah. We need the love everybody. We need the love. So click like and subscribe for <laughs> sure. Um we've get, been getting some messages lately that have come been coming through on Facebook. If you want to email us, I'm kim at the afterparty.live and john is john at the afterparty.live. So you can always contact us that way. You can send it to comments at the afterparty.live. You can send it to yeah. complaints at the afterparty.live. <laughs> It all goes to me. Screw you at the afterparty.live. <laughs> it works. Uh, it's valid should, right now. We should come up with if that. If you can yeah. imagine it, it exists. <laughs> I have a catch-all. So any any address you make up at the afterparty.live will go to me. Oh, funny. Well, let's go into our animal segment that. because because <laughs> they animals think at the afterparty.live. Animals at the afterparty.live. Send your submissions in. This could be the first newborn great white shark ever captured on camera it seems weird because a lot of great white newborns out there we've never seen one before this is super rare footage from the it california like it's coast. smiling or smirking it does santa barbara area i guess they're born with a with a grin right <laughs> this wild <laughs> wait till Maybe i get bigger today. But I'm coming for you. (laughs) This wildlife filmmaker and biology doctoral student have taken what they think might be the first picture of a newborn great white shark. And they published this in the journal Environmental Biology of Fishes. There is such a thing. Um, This this little sharky, little sharky shark, was spotted off of the coast of Santa Barbara. And they say most great whites are gray on top with white bellies. But this one shows a five foot long shark pup that had more white on his body than normal. They enlarged the images, put them in slow motion, and they realized that the white layer was being shed from the body as the shark was swimming. So what they think is that it was a newborn white shark shedding its embryonic layer that the mm. you know it's whatever sack that it was in was being shed away as it swam through the water um they they say white sharks giving birth they call it the holy grail of shark science no one has ever been able to pinpoint where they're born or see a new newborn baby shark alive there have been baby dead white sharks found shark They said there have been dead white sharks found inside deceased pregnant mothers, but nothing like this. A live newborn baby shark shedding its embryonic layer. They they don't know if it shed the layer because of some dermatological condition or maybe it has albinism, but they think realistically that it was just the shedding of the embryonic layer and that it's a normal shark and off they go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it doesn't need a... um dermatologist it's not it's not no. vital uh, what is that vitiligo 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 the one that yeah. michael jackson had this right um they did say that in the weeks leading up to this picture being taken there had been pregnant great great white sharks swimming in the area so that lends itself to this being you know newborn Aww. anyway well from um great whites to king penguins 
Oh, penguins. look at him. Penguins. King Penguin uh, makes rare visit to South Australian beach. Oh, look at him. He's like, I'm going on vacation. Surfing. Researchers doing a survey of seabirds in South Australia came across an unusual discovery, a king penguin hundreds of miles from home. Um, the president of Friends of Shorebirds Southeast said, uh, is our Friends of Shorebirds Southwest? Uh, <laughs> said the group was performing a survey of bird populations in the Korong uh, area where they encountered the king penguin north of Kingston Southeast. Uh, we were high up on the beach. We stopped and it kept walking towards us. Then it did some displays towards us and um, then did its really strange braying calls, putting its head back and then bowing to us. And then it came really, really close. We didn't go toward it. It came towards us. He theorized the penguin may have come to the beach to molt. I wouldn't be surprised if this bird has never seen a human before. Um, Steve Jenkins was fishing in the area when he encountered the penguin. It it walked down to me on the beach while I was fishing and stayed a couple hours until I left. Um, I guess that's odd for these penguins. They don't belong there. Yeah, they're not from they're not from this area. Oh, we don't take kindly to your gun. Uh, South Australia's National Parks and Wildlife Service said officials are not currently concerned about the safety of the unusual vi- visitors. King penguins, the second largest sp- uh, species of penguin, are only uh, they've only been seen in South Australia on two previous occasions in 2004 and 1987. So there you go. Wow, he's a cutie. Very cool. Something else you can do. You know, you have a hatred for your ex, or maybe just intense dislike. You can channel that into something... Something healthier? A little bit healthier. Something a little more positive, you know? This is a New Jersey animal shelter. They're having a big Valentine's Day shebang fundraiser. Uh Uh-oh. It's called Neuter Your Ex for (laughs) Valentine's Day. (laughs) So, Homeward Bound Pet Adoption Center in Blackwood has announced their... Uh, their big to do, you can make a $50 donation. And in exchange, they will receive you'll receive naming rights for one of the feral cats that the shelter captures to spay or neuter. So I could pay 50 bucks, they go out, they capture a uh, feral cat, they take it back in, they name it, whatever my ex's name is, they neuter it and set it back out into the world. Neuter your ex for Valentine's Day. They said a board member mentioned that an idea came through a volunteer about neuter your ex. As we started talking about a tagline, some things shouldn't breed. I think it becomes so relatable to people because they, whether they want to talk openly about it or not, I think an image or a name comes into their mind. So it's kind of taken off. And we certainly appreciate the attention that it can bring to these animals. The fundraiser, it's already a big hit. 40 to 50 people have already made donations for 50 bucks to name feral cats after their exes. And they say the money raised by this program will allow the shelter to continue spaying and neutering feral cats. So see, you're doing something good and you're it's cathartic healing at the same time. Right? I like that they say some things shouldn't breed. Wow, some they're... things shouldn't breed. <laughs> some mm-hmm. things. Like uh, your Deborah ex. B with $10. <laughs> uh, we don't have to neuter anyone for it. A little something Woo-hoo! for Satan and Archie. Nice. Shout out to Deborah B. Thank you so much. And Wonderful. Archie, so cute. Wow, what a lovely you, thing to do. Yeah, we Yay. appreciate that. And uh, let's see, some nice comments in the comment. Uh, I almost called it the comment room. Uh, Comment yeah, room. thank you guys. We appreciate it. And uh, Karen's saying, don't be depressed, John. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm not depressed. Uh, <laughs> uh, John, you 
have the we have the best of the best subscribe quality rather than just quantity there, there we you go. go we got the best subscribers we got that's the ogs right. that's right oh deidre says maui's animal shelter has a program where you can borrow a dog for the day and then they give you a backpack filled with dog supplies that's nice oh yeah. very cool i shall name the nudo Maude. magic yeah. ever we love you oh. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That has a huge uh, impact. Matchy, matchies. Thank you. Show. That's really Thank you. kind. Thank, Thank you, Maude. for that. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Very cool. Um, what do we want to do next? We want to. Well, let's talk let's, about. Let's kangaroo a, a it. Kangaroo. Yeah. You want to do a kangaroo? Let's uh, do a this kangaroo. Is ve- this is very strange. This is an escaped kangaroo, which was returned to an Alabama home. Police in Alabama said a kangaroo seen hop hopping loose through a town was safely <laughs> captured and returned to its owner. We're not in Australia here. D. Miller captured the video of the marsupial hopping through Bessemer on Sunday night and posted it to social media where it quickly spread among the local community. It was really fast, Miller told uh, AL.com. Miller said he had recorded video of the creature because he thought no one would believe him without proof. I know people would have said, people would have said, no, ain't no kangaroo in Bessemer. Uh, Detective Justin Burmeister of the Bessemer Police Department, say that five times fast, said the kangaroo (laughs) escaped from the Owen home where multiple exotics uh, exotic animals are kept. Well, that's no bueno. But let's um, no. let's check out the video that we have here um, from Alabama. So it was either a kangaroo or a wallaby. That's kind of up for debate right now. But it was seen right here in this community garden that you see right behind me here. This is just off of Wellington Street. Take a look at the few seconds of video Kadarius Miller was able to shoot Sunday night. He says if he hadn't captured these images, he might not believe it himself. At that point, they were standing right here, this tree right here. Uh, just standing, just kind of like aware, just trying to, I guess, lost, trying to, you know, see what was going on. And she flipped the lights and there it was, a kangaroo. Miller was in the car with his mom near his Bessemer home when he saw it. And he wasn't the only one. Bessemer police say several people called to report it. The first thing we do is send an officer out there to investigate, to make sure it wasn't a, a dog or other animal. Um, and, uh, you know, when we did find out, in fact, that there was a kangaroo that was on the loose last night. Officers spotted the marsupial but did not try to catch it. I don't know if they if they come to food or treats or if they if there's they have a name. I, I have no idea. I, I saw the video and that thing looked like it could run way faster than me, so I don't know how to catch it. Miller says he didn't try to wrangle the animal either. He steered clear. Oh, I didn't get close to it at all. I know not to get close to those. I ain't really I ain't really like, I ain't really feel like putting on my fighting my fighting my boxy gloves or nothing like this. Now, here's the good news. The missing marsupial is now back at home. Police say they are investigating, though, to make sure it is legal to have this particular kind of species of animal in this neighborhood. No, it shouldn't be. If it is, it shouldn't be, right? Yeah, BA are saying that's a wallaby. I think you're right. It's smaller. It's on the small end, so it's probably wallaby. And uh, Karen, as well said, I was going to say, you know, they don't see they don't see many of them uh, marsupials around in Alabama. So they That's don't see horrible. a lot of uh, they don't see <laughs> they don't see foreigners. They don't see a lot of former foreigners. <laughs> There's not Alabama. a lot of diversity in Alabama if you're catching no. on my drift. I saw this story and I thought it was so interesting. Uh, it's an extinct ape, and what they're saying is it's a, an important find because of its inner ear that it holds clues to how human beings learn to walk upright. What does the inner ear have to do with being bipedal and walking on two feet? Well, it all has to do with our balance, right? Um, The 
figuring out of how primates went from all fours to walking around on two legs has not been so easy. But the um, apparently this fossil record has now dis- uh, led to the discover discovery of Lufen pithecus. This is a creature that lived in East Asia during the Miocene era, about 23 million to 5 what million years ago. can you tell us about ago. the Miocene? Not much. I can tell you the land-dwelling animals were starting to look more like the animals we see today, but some of their earlier and intermediate forms were still living, and that's the Lufen pithecus. pithecus all right? It would have been about the size of a chimp. Um, they don't know. They think maybe it was... It ate fruit type of thing. It would have long arms um, and it was fragile moving around the trees. So most of its time would have been spent in trees, but maybe it didn't move so fast. Not sure about that. They don't know these things. But what they did look at was its inner ear. The They recreated its inner ear from this fossil. They used three-dimensional scans to virtually recreate the ear's bony canals. Then they compared that to the scans to living and fossil apes and humans from Africa, Europe, and Asia. And what it showed is that early apes shared a locomotor repertoire ancestral to human bipedalism. Mm, Yeah, thank you very much. It's a wordplay. It appears the inner ear provides a unique record of the evolutionary history of ape locomotion that offers an invaluable alternative to the study of postcranial skeletonism. All right. So they, what they say is there are three steps here. The first um, is that apes moved into the trees uh, in a style similar to how today's gibbons were swinging through the trees. The last common ancestor of both apes and humans used a combo of climbing, clambering, walking on all four limbs while on the ground, and then using only two limbs in trees to get around. And it's that mix of motion that brings bipedalism to become dominant in humans. And it's possible, they say, that once our species got the hang of learning to walk on two legs, more fine motor skills related to the inner ear, like balance, could be refined over time. So there you go. Well, don't forget the other thing they discovered. Mm. The Q-tip. Yeah, Q-tip is key. You shouldn't you. be using them, but, you know, they couldn't They couldn't help themselves, you know, because sometimes Got your it. ear's itching and, you know, it, it Gotta works. do it. I know, you're not supposed to, but, you know. Um, Can we talk about gay Jesus? Is he gay? Or no, just... he's, not, he's not gay. Oh. No. You're being, what is uh, he? You're, you're, you're being insensitive to oh. the poor uh, effeminate Christ poster. Oh. Angers Spanish conservatives. <laughs> what? <laughs> talk about Mad Libs headlines. Does he look Eff- effeminate to you? Uh, maybe... Maybe Mary Magdalene did his eyebrows, but <laughs> other than that, I don't know. He has a beard. Maybe he has high cheekbones, or maybe he the looks eyes are kind like of like a normal. Like maybe the ch- eyes, the eye region, like the eyes and the cheekbones look he a little looks, effeminate. Is that what they're talking about? I don't know. He looks like a guy that's in good shape. He doesn't. Maybe look it's a combination of the long hair. Yeah, I don't know. But you've got the beard. I don't know. It doesn't look. It doesn't it doesn't look controversial to me. No. Poster of Christ. But I'm not a sensitive conservative with a stick up my ass. What's a he supposed to look like? To promote Easter know. Week in Seville has drawn sharp backlash from Spanish ultra conservatives who denounced it as effeminate and offensive to Roman Catholics. Designed by Seville artist uh, Salustiano Garcia, 
The poster shows Christ after his resurrection from the dead, uh, st- standing semi-naked in front of a blood-red background with the lower part of his body covered by a white cloth. It shows the radiant side of Holy Week. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the radiant side of Holy Week. In the purest style of this prestigious painter, said the Council of Brotherhoods and Guilds, which organizes the main Easter week events in the southern city. In a social media backlash, however, many people denounced the poster as sexualized. What? Hmm. It abs- it's absolutely shameful and an aberration, wrote the ultra-conservative Catholic IPSE. Uh, I'm not subscribed to that. Uh, and which says it fosters respect for Christian symbols and is active in opposing abortion. Oh, that's not relevant mm-hmm. to the conversation, but thanks for bringing that in. The image portrayed Christ as effeminate and camp. Uh, so maybe it's a drag queen demanding a public apology from the artist for a poster that was not in spirit of Holy Week. Is he supposed to be hunting? Like what? <laughs> like what's I don't what's know. the problem here? Um, it's it's saying that the poster sought to provoke and did not advance the aim of encouraging the faithful to is participate it, in Holy Week. Is it because he's got like a, it's a little, you know, you can see his hip bones, maybe he only has a sheet covering his boy parts. Is that why? Well, he was, it, wasn't he in a tomb? He was naked. So what do you want? The artist says, says that his portrayal of Christ was based on the image of uh, his, of his son, uh, I think that means God, not his own son. Um, God's son was gentle, elegant, and beautiful and created with uh, deep respect. To see sexuality in my image of Christ, you must be mad. Uh, there was nothing in his painting that's not already been represented in artworks dating back hundreds of years. That's what I was thinking. Like, I mean, have you seen, like, I mean, the David and every, all, every artist had, you know, yeah. either semi nudie or nudie statues and, well, you know, depictions. Here's, here's the, like, the age old picture of Jesus, right? Maybe, does he, I don't know, does he look more manly? He's covered up. Is there something more manly about that than that? Yeah, but that's not like right when he came out of the tomb, right? They, no. So, you know. I mean, they both have beards. You got to dress, you know, dress for the occasion. Long hair, beards. Have you seen him like hanging from the cross? Like you see, he's ripped. Well, and also (laughs) I've seen a lot of them that are, that are full nude. Yeah. Right? Well, like, there's a lot of homophobia in Spain. Spain decriminalized homosexuality in 1978, three years after Franco's dictatorship ended. It's one of the uh, what's one of the most open countries, but you know you get these super ultra right wing conservative <sighs> Christians. So crazy people. Oh, I found a picture of that maybe that will make them happy. Are you ready for this? This <sighs> is <laughs> this is. I mean, if you want a manly Jesus, I've got a manly Jesus for you. The Michael holy is jar- saying. The holy junk. Oh, there's manly Jesus. Maybe that's what they're looking for. Is that better? Um, that could be hunky Jesus. Look, he's breaking through the cross. Yes. Wow. Well, and you can see a little pelvic hip bone thing there too. Yeah. Uh, but he's says, manly, so that's all. Take that, this, you know. my tight body. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't Walter know. says, I seriously doubted that Jesus ever existed. How? Um, how dare you? Walter? Oh, here comes Satan. You. Bring him on. Oh. <laughs> That's what I've been saying for so long. <laughs> yeah. Although Jesus um, does look good. He's been working out. He's ripped. So we had Spencer Christian on the Mark Thompson show earlier. And before we went on the air, I was asking him about this whole thing that's happening on the internet where people are calling the storm we're getting this week the Ark Storm. Like it's supposed to bring this flooding of biblical proportions. The ark storm is the coming. problem with that is like when you do that and then if it doesn't pan out, yeah, then people don't take you seriously. 
no. Scientists are now are saying, no, this is hysteria swirling around on the internet. Not true. The Ark Storm uh, is the name given by the USGS to a hypothetical but plausible megastorm that would bring massive... Megastorm. Megastorm. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, it would bring... Sunday, Sunday. Coming this weekend. Megastorm. <laughs> it would bring massive rain and flooding to California. This whole thing was trending on social media last week. But... Uh, because of some activist and actor, Danielle Langlois, I don't know who she is, she wrote this lengthy message on X that an arc storm could wreak havoc on California because of an upcoming expected shift to wet weather on the West Coast. She said, warning, meteorologists are currently debating whether California is about to get hit by something that they've been dreading for a long time, a series of storms that will drop multiple feet of rain over a few weeks. They're not certain yet, she wrote, but it's entirely possible that what is brewing in the Pacific right now heralds the beginning of the dreaded arc storm. What do they call it, the ABC7 storm scale? Yeah. No. What is it called? The storm something? Uh, yeah, I think it might be the storm scale. I don't know. But Spencer Christian said no. It's a three not... on the ABC7 <laughs> storm scale. He said we're not getting an arc storm. No. But It's three the... out of five. It can't be that big. No. Uh, meteorologists say, forecasters say, to be very clear, there's no evidence of any extreme storm sequence capable of producing catastrophic flooding in California in the next two weeks, which is how far they can look out. Despite these claims on social media, this from a UCLA climate scientist who says uh, numerous meteorologists and scientists have offered debunkings of this rumor, which has unfortunately spread far and wide. The odds are so exceedingly low that we're not talking about any potential of an arc storm right now. There is nothing like this happening. There's less than one-tenth of a 1% chance of an arc storm. So if anyone asks you, there is no arc storm. But just in arc case... Arc storm! Hella rain! Hella rain! I am ready for it just in case. Yeah. Yeah, people get a little bit excited. It's going to rain. It's going to rain a lot. It's okay. going to rain. There might be some it's, water it's in your street. It's rained before. It's, it's flooded fine. before. Yeah. Just drive slower. Stay at home. Stay at home and get baked. Or not. <laughs> Speaking of uh, activities that you'll see while you're baked, AI spam. AI spam is already starting to ruin the internet. That's right. <sighs> Just last week, there were three examples of how this played out. First, 404 Media, a new tech blog, wrote that it had to modify its website because of artificial intelligence spam. Recently, it noticed that AI-written versions of its stories have shown up on spam sites that are friendly to search engine optimization, sometimes even showing up before the real 404 Media article when you search for it on Google. The scammers, of course, are making money by running ads on the AI-generated pages. Uh, from 404 Media's look into the article theft, uh, these AI-generated uh, versions of articles hurt the news business, effectively stealing away clicks and revenue from the outlets that spend real time and money doing the reporting. Secondly, Wired wrote that the hairpin, a popular indie blog from the 2010s, had been taken over by an AI click farmer who left up some of the po popular articles but replaced the names of the women who wrote them with men's names. Oh. So uh, 
AI is also misogynist, sexist. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, well, it was developed most, by men, so that would make sense, right? Uh, lastly, at the most toxic end of the AI spam, uh, spam spectrum, uh, say that five times fast, there are AI-generated obituaries, oh man, full of errors. Mm. Can't even get away from it when you're dead. That <laughs> This is causing real pain to grieving families. In 2021, long before ChatGPT, Wired reported that obituary pirates, yar, mm. were scraping and copying funeral home websites. Now they're using AI for a new and lucrative tactic of creating YouTube videos and spammy websites out of obituaries, capturing search traffic for people looking for information about the recently deceased oh wow oh, man. well i'm glad we have it on youtube then don't be duped yeah Yikes. Womp, womp, womp. here's something a little more exciting did you know that you can go out to lunch with your favorite tech ceo maybe you've got a business idea you just want to run it by somebody you know well kind of like the whole um uh, what's the name of that website that you cameo that you can, you know, b- pay for someone's appearance or birthday message to hey, you? Hey, Mark, I hear you're a liar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like cameo, but this is called intro. Hey, Mark, right? it's George Santos. <laughs> this is this is called intro. It's a startup showing that uh, oh, there's a market for people who want to have lunch with a CEO. It's going to cost you, though. Uh, Intro is headquartered in Los Angeles. It has investors like Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian, NBA star Kevin Durant. Uh, it's a model based on a simple claim that some people's advice is worth their time in gold. And so people are buying into this. Uh, they've got 400 this people. This is Alexis Ohanian on the screen here. Yeah, they've Co-founder got four, of Reddit. 400 people they've set up with sessions. Um, eight of them apparently got so emotional over it that they started crying. People Do they not have enough money? Over the moon on this. Here's how much it costs. So if you wanted to, say, book a lunch with um, Tinder or the MySpace co-founders, they each will offer you a 60-minute session for $2,670. That is 44 bucks a minute. If you want to, say, go out to lunch with a very successful restaurateur, you can get 15 minutes with Sweet Green CEO, $650. Um, maybe if you want to talk about sports or sports reporting or how to crack into that business, you can talk to the founders of the Bleacher Report or The Athletic. They do half-hour video calls for $775 so like bucks. These are like high-end tech escorts. Mm, kind of. <laughs> You'd think they wouldn't need the money, but basically what they do is they mentor you for a price. So so they're like the geishas, geishas of tech. Yes. So you you go and you talk to them and you say, listen, here's my idea. They say, this is great. This is what works. This is what doesn't work. This idea is crap, whatever it is. And you get somebody who's very successful in the field in which you're looking to get into who gives you their honest opinion. And maybe, if you're lucky, you develop some type of, you know, email back and forth mentor relationship with them. I don't know. Um, Intro, it's called, because you're basically it's introducing you to the, you know, people in the world you want to get into, uh, is letting its experts sign up for subscription plans as well. Thousands of dollars a month, you can. Uh, The founder of 
apps acquired by Discord and Facebook, Nikita Bayer, posted on X that a few of his subscribers' apps have topped the App Store charts. As of Monday, he charges $8,000 to about $10,500 per month. Uh, he said... Sometimes I forget that I'm an OnlyFans girl, but for tech founders. So it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it, but maybe, you know, if you had five grand in your pocket, it would be worth getting that advice. Yeah. Mama Day Through Voice says, feed my ego and pay me for it. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 It seems like they're just pimping out tech people. I don't, I think it's kind of stupid. It is. They're pimping them out. But if you, were a tech person and you had gazillions of dollars, why wouldn't you just take a few meetings with people to pass right. on you advice as a, you don't you need know. the money? How about you do yeah. something like give back to your tech community? Yeah. Stop chasing money, you hustlers. Uh. I don't know. I don't like hustlers. Um, <laughs> you know what else I don't like? Traffic. That's why I've refused yeah. to commute. I almost, I've only com commuted once in, I think once in my life. That was to produce the, uh, the morning show on KGO when I was in the North Bay, but mm. I was driving at like 4.30 in the morning. You know what that's like? It's a lot easier. Um, but this city has the worst traffic in the U.S. What do you think it is? Do you know? Have you looked at the headline? In, no. In the United States? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say Los Angeles. No. The rest of the headline is this city has the worst traffic in the U.S. And it's not Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Oh. Kim. Well, uh, clearly, I didn't see the story. I wasn't lying. <laughs> America is home to some of the most congested cities in the world. Most agree that sitting in traffic is a massive waste of time and often cite a frustrating commute to and from work as a reason to resist returning to the office. Kim. Kim doesn't like to commute either. No, I don't. Um, but experts say that congestion is a sign of a good economy because it shows that people are going out and likely spending money. Um, in January, geolocation technology specialist TomTom Tom, released its annual traffic index for 2023. You know, TomTom, they have those like uh, GPS devices. Oh, that was early on, yeah. Yeah, I guess they're still, they're still around. The ranking includes uh, the U.S. cities with the worst traffic and was calculated by assessing the time, cost, and CO2 emissions per mile driven and simulating how long it takes to complete a six-mile trip within a city uh, for a typical EV, petrol, and diesel cars. California is the only state that had two cities that rank in the top 10, and you named one of them, and the other one... New York? No, in California. You oh. named one of them. You named uh, Los Angeles. The other one in the top 10? Oakland, San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. The latter is notorious as Los Angeles for its bad traffic, but could still came uh, way down on the list at number nine while uh, San Francisco landed in the top three. New York City has the worst traffic in the U.S. <laughs> on average, commuters in the heart of the Big Apple spent 24 minutes and 50 seconds driving about six miles, a 20-second increase over 2022. The city also ranked as the most congested in the U.S. in a separate TomTom -tom ranking. On average, drivers lost eight minutes and two seconds for a six-mile trip due to traffic. Commuters in New York also lose the most time in rush hour with an average of one hour to make it a, t a, a typical six-minute trip. Wow, one hour to make a six-minute trip. So the top 10 list, New York is number one. Number two, Washington, D.C. Number three, San Francisco. Number four, Boston. Number five, Chicago. Number six, Baltimore. Number seven, mm -hmm. Seattle. Number eight, Philadelphia. Los Angeles, number nine, which is surprising to me. And then number 10, Miami. So there you go. There you that's, go. That's, those are the rankings. Well, let's take a little bit of a break. When we come back to the after party, we'll talk about who is obsessed with the idea of being rich. 
uh, it might surprise you. Also, why power naps might be a good thing in the long term for our bodies. So all that is coming up on the Along after with party. who's yelling in Kim's background. Like who's, oh, can you hear that? that I don't think from? you could hear that. It's a um, it's <laughs> Somebody Jacob. needs a power nap. I think it's Jacob home from school. I can hear him wandering <laughs> in the hallway. Mom, <laughs> I want snacks. Yeah, well, not going to get anything from me. Sayonara, <laughs> we'll, sucker. We'll be back after this break on the after party live. The after party live is underwritten by our audience and without you this show wouldn't be possible if you can contribute 10 15 or 20 dollars a month it would keep this party a rockin the paypal link can be found in the about section of the youtube channel or at the bottom of the show description any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up on behalf of kim and myself thank you for your consideration aloha bitches it's the after party live yeah it is the after party live we have people to thank <clears throat> rainy rainy day we do have people to thank and they include let me see if i can get to it uh Harold, contributor harold h yes thank you harold thank you, h Harold H. my grandpa's name was harold so that name has special is special to my heart i just want you to hmm. know that yeah joe fong for a ten dollar super sticker Before the show i even started thank very, you very very grateful right out of the box there deborah b with ten dollars for Archie and Satan, mahalo yes. to you for that. Mod Day throwing down a 20. We love you too, Mod. Thank you yes, so much for thank that. Thank you guys. Yeah, yeah, our fundraising, uh, as I mentioned, I think last week, it's down yeah. about 30% for this month, but you guys have really come through and yeah. uh, we don't have the totals right now, but um, you guys have really stepped up. So hopefully yeah. we'll make our fundraising goal by the end of the month, which it would be tonight, right? Yeah. It's, thank already, you guys. it's almost, you know what it is? It, it's almost February. February. Yeah, how exciting. <laughs> Can't look, I'm looking forward to uh, using this February a little more. Well, let's move on to power naps because I could use a good power nap. I, be, I, I believe in the power nap, the power of a power nap. Sometimes I even take one in my car. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Stand yeah. Up. Apparently... Naps. Power good naps can, can be good for our health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's uh, loading. Um, why power naps? My computer needs a nap. Why power naps might be good for our health. Uh, in many cultures, having an afternoon nap is a daily ritual. The Spanish are known for enjoying a daily siesta when they're uh, freaking out about effeminate Jesus. And some <laughs> Japanese workers indulge in a lump, lunchtime sleep known as hiruni or afternoon nap. Tech giants such as Google, Samsung, and Facebook all have nap pods in their offices, allowing workers to catch some shut-eye during the working day. Power napping is a rising trend worldwide, but does a quick cat nap during the day actually work? Does it leave you feeling refreshed and energized or do you end up feeling more tired than you did when you, you know, to begin with? How long should a nap last and what's the best time? A BBC Future looked at the latest science to explore it, uh, this issue. Regular naps are good for long-term health for a brain, according to research. Habitual napping may help keep your brain bigger for longer and boost its overall health, according to a 2023 study at the University College London and the University of the Republic in Uruguay. The researchers analyzed data from 35,000 people from 40 to 69 who had taken part in the study um, by UK Biobank. They looked at previously identified DNA snippets associated with people who are habitual nappers. The brains of people who nap several times a week were more than 0.9 cubic inches larger than the brains of people who never had a daytime nap. This oh. equates to delaying aging of the brain by between three and six years. The big finding was that daytime napping is quite robustly causally linked to having a larger brain volume. Interesting. Um, I so like this story. Less, my brain is less heavy. 
Um, the brain naturally shrinks with age, and a smaller brain volume has been linked to a wide range of diseases. Oh, never mind. Uh, people who have smaller brain volume are likely to have higher levels of stress hormone, cortisol, or diagnosis of sleep apnea. Many have cardiovascular disease. We also see a substantial shrinkage of the brain in people with Alzheimer's and vascular dementia. Oof. Uh, that You can read that story on the BBC Futures website, why human brains were bigger 3,000 years ago. Anything you can do to preserve your brain size for as long as possible is a good thing. It's really positive. It's a really positive message to have that, um, you know, that having a nap could help your brain. Um, short naps lasting 5 to 15 minutes can immediately improve how well we perform, um, you know, uh, mentally. Na mm -hmm. uh, like I could use one right now. Napping has been shown to be critical for the cognitive development of babies with trials showing. Yeah, they're big on naps. Mm -hmm. Those babies. Yeah, they got the memo. Uh, but the benefits of napping for adults were le less well understood. Uh, the people who are participated in the study were between 40 and 69. We tried to focus on that midlife point when people start to get diseases and conditions like diabetes and high blood pressure. Uh, the long-term benefits are only seen in people who n regularly nap. It has to be cumulative. There are also short-term health benefits associated with napping. Short naps lasting 5 to 15 minutes can immediately improve how well we perform uh, mentally. This mental stimulus mm -hmm. can last up to three hours after we wake up. Um, I've noticed, and I don't know if they're going to mention here, you don't want to you don't want to sleep too long. I think if you, you know, 20 minutes, good. I think it's if you go longer, what is it, 45, 45 minutes, you risk kind of going into REM sleep or, or mm -hmm. deep sleep, rather, before you get to REM sleep, but deep sleep. And, it, and then when you get up, uh, yeah, they're talking about that. We sleep in cycles, each lasting about 90 minutes. Each cycle is made up of four stages. In stage one and two, your muscles start to relax. Your brain activity begins to slow and your body temperature and heart rate drop. You then enter stage three, the slow wave sleep or deep sleep, right, before moving to REM. So if you, if you, if you nap for too long, right, um, they're saying here, don't go longer than 20 minutes. Because if you mm -hmm. fall into that deep sleep, then you wake mm -hmm. up and then you're groggy. And it That's can actually... almost worse, yeah. Yeah, it can be counterproductive. You, sometimes you could even feel more tired. Just yeah. a little you know 15, about that, 20 having, minutes. Having done. worked mornings, that was yeah. the most, the cruelest thing I ever did to my body. And I will never do that again. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercup. Uh, Luis, $9.99. I would pay money for a meet and greet with Archie. I don't know. Aww. You might want to reconsider. He can be a biter. So uh, you um, might, he's, if you approach yeah. him correctly, you, uh, you know, if you bring yeah. tribute and you let him <laughs> sniff your hand and you kiss the ring um, then and you don't approach him too quickly, you can't approach him too quickly. Yeah, he's fine. Eric says, if I try for a 20 minute nap, I spend 19 minutes trying to sleep and yeah. only get the one minute. Oh, no, yeah, Eric. I wish, not that uh. I want to chip in my brain, but it would be nice to have something where like the moment you fall asleep, then the timer starts. I don't know if this is true. You get dementia if you nap too long. I don't. I don't know. Hopefully that's not true. Um, no, hopefully not. Gordon says I'm napping almost daily. Yeah. All right. Very good. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about the idea of being rich. There's Ooh. a new study from the study people that shows Gen Z millennials are obsessed with the idea of being rich. More than a quarter of millennials and Gen Z generations so are obsessed with it. So they want to sniff the it. money on the ground while they take their nap? <laughs> they call it, there's a name for everything. Yeah, they do want to sniff their money. Uh, it could be fueling money dysmorphia. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the survey done online by Qualtrics on behalf of Intuit Credit Karma in December, they asked more than a thousand adults above the age of 18 
listen, uh, talk to us about money. The study found 27% of Americans said they are obsessed with the idea of being rich. That is especially true for younger generations with 44% of Gen Z and 46% of millennials admitting to being obsessed with the idea of being rich. The study also found that 30% of Americans on the whole experience money dysmorphia. This is a phenomenon that occurs when people feel insecure about their financial standing, no matter what the reality of their situation. So you could be fine, you could have enough to pay your rent, but you're still worried about it, right? The problem much more pronounced among younger generations with 43% of Gen Z and 41% of millennials saying they experience money dysmorphia compared to 25% of Gen X and 14% of respondents age 59 or above. Um, they say money dysmorphia is like today's version of keeping up with the Joneses, right? A lot of people yeah. examining their finances, comparing themselves to peers, other people on social media, right? It's easy to see when you see all these people on social media traveling to Europe, taking these expensive, fancy vacations, you know, pictures of their new cars and their new houses and whatever. Even celebrities, um, it makes people feel inadequate. And right. so this is all having a negative impact on people's finances, especially well, back in the day, people were kind of limited to having a car they couldn't afford. Right. And that's how they, you know, were showing off or they had yeah. a designer handbag or something like that or expensive clothes yeah. that they couldn't really afford. Now people are like trying to build this social media presence to make you mm -hmm. think that they're doing better than they are. Right. It's like status symbol. Like yeah. I'm going to Fiji and, you know, I'm spending my entire bank account. Mm making well, it look like, you know, I'm a multimillionaire. They think this money dysmorphia thing could be fueled by people's obsession with being rich at a time when it seems like being rich is really more and more out of reach for most of us. 54% of respondents who experienced money dysmorphia say they are obsessed with the idea of being rich compared to just 12% of those who really don't struggle with the condition at all and not are not obsessed with it. Yeah, Louis so. says worse than uh, worse they are obsessed with being rich while doing absolutely nothing to earn it seriously exactly. influencer. What a useless <laughs> worthless endeavor. Right. 52% of Americans said they don't think they will ever be rich. That's realistic, right? The number jumps to 69% when you look at Americans with money dysmorphia. So, interesting. Um, Donald's uh, the main coon says maybe they are trying to manifest being rich. Maybe, you know, you say it enough, it'll happen. I don't know. Yeah, and Eric, coming to the defense of influencers, uh, influencers actually work very hard. They have to mm -hmm. promote their own brand and constantly edit videos. Wait, that sounds like me. Sounds like us. I need, few ways I work to, to do. A few ways to overcome money <laughs> dysmorphia, they say. Take an honest look at your finances. Set clear goals. Make a plan. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Don't pay attention to what everyone else is doing with their money only yours. If your goal is to build up your savings, do an audit of your finances. See where in your budget you can make room for savings. And from there, audit schedule yourself. That sounds sexy. Schedule <clears throat> automatic payments from each paycheck to help you hold yourself accountable and then incrementally increase your savings. So, you know, there are things you can do to better your financial situation, but it just well, we were, un unrealistic expectations are interesting. We were going to do the story yesterday, but we forgot. <laughs> Alzheimer's can be spread between humans. Pioneering study reveals at least five people who have, quote, caught memory robbing illness as scientists warn hundreds more may be at risk. Alzheimer's can spread between humans. A groundbreaking study revealed 
Uh, experts have found evidence of at least five people catching the memory robbing disorder from now banned hormone treatments. The patients were among 1,848 people injected with growth hormones riddled with toxic amyloid beta protein seeds or prions as children. All five came down with the same rare early onset form of devastating dementia condition. Others who received the same treatment are now considered at risk. Between 1958 and 1985, abnormally short children in the UK and the US were given hormones harvested from cadavers to help spur their growth. The technique was then banned and doctors instead used synthetic hormones after it merged that some batches were contaminated with prions that led to a fatal and incurable brain disorder um, called Creutzfeldt-Jacob uh, disease, CJD, itself uh, is closely related to mad cow. Uh, academics but now believe that other medical and surgical procedures might carry a risk of spreading Alzheimer's as prions, which accumulate in the brain and kill neurons, can survive hospital sterilization methods. But this just doesn't affect too many people, right? Oh, so you don't care? No, 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 I do. But it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that Alzheimer's can be spread because yeah, of these but, prions. Yeah, I mean, the implication there is like... It's it, fascinating. This, could, this yeah. could apply to other situations. It totally could. Yeah, if somebody but the already people has that were, the bad stuff. The people that were affected by what happened in, what was it, the 50s or 60s? Right, in this particular case. But it's showing that yeah. it can it right. can spread. So, yeah. you know, these prions accumulate in the brain and the NHS... NHS, that's the healthcare service in, in the mm -hmm. UK, says plaque deposits may appear in the brain. Abnormal buildups of proteins in and around neurons is thought to be what caused Alzheimer's, of course. Mm -hmm. A professor at the University College of London said action must be taken to prevent accidental transmission in the future. So we're talking about like other procedures, right? So the, the concern here is that it, 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 it's not stopped, right? When they, they follow their current procedures, uh, it passes on. Right. So there's nothing mm -hmm. to stop this unless they're uh, aware of it and they, you know, keep it from happening. Right. These patients yeah. were given a specific and long discontinued discontinued medical treatment uh, involving the uh, material now known to have contaminated with disease related proteins. But the fact that you can transmit this um, yeah. is very concerning. So obviously. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Another thing to worry about. You know what else you should you're worry welcome. about, especially if you're getting it on having a little sexo time. You know, I wasn't going to put this in the rundown because I thought it was gross. But uh, here's well, Kim. It is what it is. Now, <laughs> Kim, the United States, it's important, desk. important information to have from the STD desk on the after party line. You know, the after party. We, what uh, kind of a party is this? After party is supposed to be sexy. Oh, we don't worry about STDs? All no. right. Did you bring a graphic? Uh, I did not. Bring, oh, nobody wants God. to see this graphic. Trust. Trust. <laughs> the United States is seeing record syphilis cases as funding threatens to worsen this epidemic. Syphilis rates have continued to surge, reaching levels the nation hasn't seen. We've never seen anything like this since 1950. Yeah. Federal data released yesterday from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention shows syphilis cases increased 17% in the last year, 80% in the last five years. Uh, this comes as Congress is set to cut funding for workers who fight sexually transmitted infections. Uh, and so they, they think, they, yeah, they duke it out. Mm hmm. No questions on the after party. It wasn't a question. The STI. They fight. Reached a tipping point 
They said, we've often known that this type of thing is common, right? But we haven't faced such severe effects of syphilis in decades. This is for the from the acting director of the CDC, Laura Bachman. Recent public health emergencies diverted program resources and threatened the health of those already disproportionately affected by STIs. Now, they say, we have to pick up the pieces. More than two and a half million cases of syphilis, gonorrhea, and chlamydia were reported in the United States in 2022, though officials are most alarmed about the syphilis and congenital syphilis epidemics. Pauline saying the villages. <laughs> it's all at the villages. Absolutely right. That's the retirement. Stay out of the in, villages. In no. Florida. Um, as a matter of fact, my dad just sent me a list of retirement communities that they're kind of thinking about. And one of them is called the, the village. And I was like, oh, no. Is it the you same one? No, it's in a whole different place. Oh, okay. um, so the good news here says gonorrhea cases have declined for the first time in a oh. decade. Chlamydia cases are level, but uh, syphilis, no. Syphilis is out of control uh, across almost every demographic group and region. The CDC reported 207,255 every region, region. 207,255 syphilis cases in 2022. Unfortunately, I just need 22, yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, it's a it's a very concerning rise in congenital syphilis. Um mm. Donald asking, isn't that what people are saying Trump had uh, has due to sores on his hands? Oh, speaking of that, he did uh, make a joke about it today. He was at a campaign stop and someone asked to see his hands and he put his hand up and there weren't any marks on it anymore. And he kind of made a joke in passing about mm. it, but he didn't say what caused it. So um, well, I figured if we mentioned Donald Trump, we might get some more subscribers. Syphilis. <laughs> yes, Al Capone. We'll change the headline to Trump. Trump's syphilis concerns. Trump, Trump and syphilis. Walter so. saying Trump's buddy Al Capone died of syphilis. Yeah, it's the truth. It's yeah. the truth. So, yeah, so be very concerned and um, double up on the protection because you don't want that. I'm just saying. Yeah, and Lori's yeah. saying, yeah, but keep on closing those horrible Planned Parenthood locations where people can go get tested. Precisely, Lori. Precisely. <sighs> well, moving on uh, to some entertainment news. Aren't you did glad you... we did that story? What's that? Oh, I was going to move on from uh, from uh, oh no, from STDs to rock and roll. I guess we're staying in the same realm. Um, did you see this 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 story about Universal Music? I did. This is about TikTok, right? And TikTok. how yeah, they're pulling songs. Universal this is a big deal. Music Group is pulling songs from TikTok, and they say there's concerns over AI and compensation that have really just led them to not make a deal with this. They say TikTok is trying to build a music-based business without paying fair value for the music. With that, out go the songs from folks like Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, Drake, Drake rather, all vanishing from TikTok on Wednesday. And the lesser known Drake. And the last one, and indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Universal these huge, music. These are huge names. And they a lot are. of those those TikTok videos, the challenges and all those dances mm -hmm. and everything, they're based on music. So if they don't yeah. have the music. They won't have it because the, the Universal Music Group is pulling its song catalog from TikTok today after failing to come to terms on a new licensing deal with TikTok. And they wrote this letter to artists and songwriters saying we ha it's time to call out TikTok 
everyone should. They it's said in our time. it's in our contract renewal discussions, we've been pressing on three critical issues, appropriate compensation for artists and songwriters, protecting human artists from the harmful effects of AI, and uh, online safety for TikTok users as well. They said TikTok proposed paying our artists and songwriters at a rate that is a fraction of the rate that are similarly situated major social platforms pay. Um TikTok currently accounts for about 1% of Universal Music Group revenue, and they're trying to build a music-based business without paying fair value for the music. But isn't that what capitalism's all about? Exploiting S no. another group, uh, a group of people, <laughs> and doing exploiting them as much as possible within uh, the confines of the law and getting away with it. And then if they run into yeah. trouble, then you pay the lawyer to defend yourself. Everybody right? wants something for nothing, and Universal <laughs> says you can't have it. Uh, speaking of business people, Martha Stewart accused of stealing a recipe created by her employee. <gasps> Say it ain't so, Martha. Martha, that's not proper. <laughs> well, she has been to prison, so, you know. <laughs> In the new CNN, I'm sure she uh, learned a few recipes there. Uh, what do they call that, prison wine? Oh, I have never heard of prison wine. What's prison wine? Prison wine? Um, I, I shouldn't mention things I can't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is prison wine? Uh, pruno, pruno, the stuff that you, that you make it out of like prunes and whatnot, and they let it ferment behind the toilet. Ew. Yeah, pruno, baby. <laughs> oh, it's like gross. hooch. It's like it's a hooch. Oh my gosh, there's things online how to make prison wine, homemade pruno, no, baby. Gross. You know Martha had like the best. She had the, the best. The Mark she had the Thompson. best pruno why in the you, place. Why are you yelling? <laughs> Why are you yelling, Pruno? No. Right. Uh, <laughs> I know why you're yelling. <laughs> uh, don't drop the soap. In the new CNN docuseries, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, one of the homemaking's gurus, former catering staffers, spoke out. Martha Stewart has come under fire after one of her former catering staffers accused her of stealing a recipe. On Sunday night, Stewart's former employee, Sarah Gross, gave an interview to CNN, The Many Lives of Stewart, uh, Martha Stewart, the new docuseries chronicling the food and homemaking guru's career, claiming mm -hmm. that she came up with one of her famous recipes in her 1982 cookbook, Entertaining. Whoa, this goes way back. Mm -hmm. According to Gross, she first showed Stuart her cranberry nut tart recipe when she began working on the chef's catering business, um, working with her. Um, I might have brought it in my cranberry nut tart. That was impressive. That was interesting, she said recalling bringing in the recipe as part of her application to work with Stuart. I'm pretty sure I did bring in the cranberry nut tart. Now she's pretty sure. Um, mm -hmm. Michael Scott, the uh, not from the office, a photographer for entertaining, uh, told CNN that Stewart was very driven, but that everything was a team effort. There were a lot of people that worked with Martha when I was involved with her that came up with the ideas. How it worked, um, that it ended up being Martha's idea, he said that's another story. Representatives <laughs> for Stewart did not immediately return the messenger's request for comment. Uh, the series showed a clip of one of uh, Martha Stewart's 1982 TV appearances as she promoted the cookbook in which she tells the host that she's been making the recipes and entertaining, that's the name of the book, um, all my life. Lots of these recipes I've been making all my life and a lot of them are just created for the book. Gross, who eventually became a manager at, the, at Market Basket, added that she eventually left the business because she felt she wasn't being compensated fairly. Mm -hmm. I was working for Martha getting paid eight to $10 max. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I ever got paid more than that, and I was doing so much for her. I set up a time to talk to her. I got there. Martha's ex-husband, Andy Stewart, was there, and I told her that I was, going to, I was going to be giving my heart and my soul, and by, and by that point, I felt like um, that I needed a title. She uh, recalled uh, wanting to have a name for herself as Stewart's business began to grow, and Andy said, Martha's going to be as big as McDonald's, and we're not giving that away. 
So if you want to watch that series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, it concludes on um, February 4th hmm. on CNN. Hey, you know, Martha pays your bill, your uh, paycheck. Your ideas are her ideas, right? That's the way it works. That's what I it's have... like when you're part of a big show with a What's big name it? celebrity, Kim. That's how it is. That's right? how it rolls. I will tell you that I have an update to an update on a story that we did about George Carlin's AI. Oh, we're, uh, ca- we're caught in special. an AI loop. Yeah, we really are. Did you know that humans actually wrote that fake George Carlin AI stand-up That routine? does not surprise me. So the podcasters behind George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead, which is a controversial stand-up special. At least the title's accurate. It was originally advertised as AI-generated. Well, now they say they're confirming their stunt routine was completely written by a human being. Uh, they're still going to court because uh, Carlin's descendants are still upset that they did this. He's dead. It's his likeness. It's his name. It's his image. You can't do that, right? But they do say uh, Will Sasso and Chad Colchin. They hyped this whole thing up. They claimed it was written by state-of-the-art AI. And really, they wrote it all themselves. Oh. Oh. Will Sasso, he was, um, that's the guy who was on the Mad TV He's really funny. That's unfortunate. Yeah. He's involved in this. They wrote it. They wrote it. Yeah. Uh, That doesn't surprise me because I don't think, I don't think they, I don't think AI is probably to a point where you could replicate the style. I don't know know, why you would say you, you, it was AI if it wasn't AI. Is it because AI is like all the hype and all the hip stuff to do now? Yep. Uh, Maybe if we uh, make the show about it, well, we do talk about AI a lot. Um, We'll talk about Trump. More Trump and more AI. No, and no more we'll Trump. Get, we'll the world has too much Trump. No, <laughs> Is no that? more Trump. That's the uh, that's the key. Yeah. I think well, that's, that's it the for key. the after party. We have people to thank again. Oh, I love Harold H. Thank you for being an ongoing contributor. You are the best. Thank you for that. Uh, also, Joe Fong throwing down ten dollars for us. Really grateful. Deborah B with the ten dollars for us as well. Thank you for that. Also, it's Maud with $20. We love you right back, sister. Luis with $10 uh, wants to meet Archie. We'll see if we can well, put that together. Uh, Archie doesn't leave, leave the uh, compound very, you know, his kingdom very often, <laughs> but maybe he'll make it down to the Red Jack and, and uh, have a version of yeah. the uh, Kim Callister. Well, we are going to be right back here with you tomorrow to do this whole thing all over again. And we do hope you will join us on the way out. If you could click the like button and subscribe, we would appreciate that. And if you have an idea for a trivia category, email trivia at theafterparty.live. Awesome. uh, That'll be helpful. Uh, Aloha, everybody. Yeah, stay dry out there. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye.